Good morning. It's good to gather. It is good to be in God's house. Just a couple of announcements as we begin this Tuesday. Uh, Women's Lunch Bunch will meet at 1130 at Food and Friends. So um, just talk to Linda if you haven't already about that. Um, Also, our Bible studies on Wednesday night, the women's Bible study and the men's Bible study at six. Um, And we are still collecting for uh, Family Refuge Center. Uh, And there's a table down uh, labeled down in the uh, fellowship hall where you can place your your stuff that you are are putting together. And there's a list out in the entryway of the things that we are are collecting. We'll be collecting until the 11th of May. So if you have uh, those types of needs, if you have those types of goods that you can donate to help with those needs, please uh, feel free and, and place them in the fellowship hall. Are there any other announcements? We are planning to have a, a, a pizza and game night on Saturday, May 8th okay. at 5. It's $2 a person for pizza and $5 per family. And we bring a game of your choice and snacks if you want. Okay, so on May 9th, we're in the Fellowship Eighth. Hall. 8th. Excuse 8th, 9th. It's all the same. No. <laughs> On May 8th in the Fellowship Hall, we're having a pizza and game night, uh, and so please uh, get with Michelle and let her know if you're planning on coming so we can get the pizza ordered. Anything else? Yes, sir. Uh, a week or two ago, I announced that the Science Square Picture Band is having a spring festival on April 30th. It's been moved to March 21st. How about May. It runs in the family. So yeah, Seneca Trail Christian Academy will have the a spring festival on May twenty first. So, all right. Any other announcements? We are here to worship God. We are called into this place. Um, Whatever situation we came out of, uh, we have been called into this place to worship Him. And we hear that call as given to us in Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7. It is found there in your bulletin. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbor, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Let us pray to the great shepherd who hears the cries of his people. We call out to you today. Many of us are beaten down by the attacks of the evil one. We have struggled with temptation and the difficulties of sin. We have wrestled with the hardships of living in a creation that groans, waiting for the time of redemption. Out of the struggle and the wrestling, we have come into this place today at your call. Remind us that you are always present with us and that you meet us in this place to teach and to strengthen us for the struggles and battles that are waiting for us in the world. 
Remind us that in Jesus Christ you hear and answer our prayers. Help us to fully trust and rely on you. And Lord, we continue praying and we ask that you hear and accept the prayer which you have taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In the psalm we just read and in other places within the scriptures, God promises to be our shepherd. He promises to tear down the unfaithful shepherds and to set up his faithful shepherd, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. So let us take Bible songs and turn to Bible song number 170, the shepherd of Israel, and remind ourselves through song of Jesus, the, the shepherd of his people. So let us stand and sing Bible song 170.
Amen. Please be seated. When Jesus was asked for the greatest of the commandments, he says, love the Lord your God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourselves. If we are honest with ourselves, we will admit that we fail frequently in loving God and in loving our neighbor. So let us now join together in confessing our lack of love. Almighty God, you love us, but we have not loved you. You call, but we have not listened. We walk away from neighbors in need, wrapped in our concerns. We condone evil, prejudice, warfare, and greed. God of grace, help us to admit our sin, so that as you come to us in mercy, we may repent, turn to you, and receive forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Lift up your heads and hear the assurance given to us by Paul in his letter to the Colossian church, a passage which we studied in Sunday school this morning. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Luke, is in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And then they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy and inspired word. We are called to give to God as his stewards portions, tithes of our times, our talent, and our treasures. The tithes and offerings are an opportunity to give to God of our treasures. And so please prayerfully consider now how you will give, whether in the baskets provided or through mail.
To the great God who sustains, you have called us to be stewards of the time, the talents, and the treasures that you have given to each of us. As part of that stewardship, we are called to return a portion as our worship before you. May these tithes, the portion of our treasures, be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And may they be multiplied and used by you for the proclamation of the gospel and the love of our neighbors. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Please remain standing and take your hymn book. Oh, it is. That's why I didn't write it in my cheat sheet here, because we have congregational requests. I was like, where did it go? All right, everybody have a seat. That's what that big, bold, underlined thing that says congregational request means there, too. Right. And I don't have a clock to blame it on this month, so this week. All right, so it is congregational requests. What shall we say? Eighty-two in spiritual life. Eighty-two, is that correct? Yes. Sweet by and by, we'll sing first and last. Thank you. 
Sunburn on the, on the. <laughs> Since Jesus came into my heart, we'll sing first and last.
Please be seated. This Thursday is our monthly day of prayer, our day to focus on prayer. I have a couple um, of the prayer guides printed out. I will email out to the email list later this week um, the prayer guide, but if you would like the, the hard copy, there are two left on the piano here. So please grab them and please join us in prayer for the church, for the community, for ourselves um, this Thursday. Uh, just, uh, I have a couple updates as we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, please continue to remember Mitchell Sutton, um, uh, an army chaplain. He has preached here for me in the past. And just remember him and his family in Fort Sill and continue to lift them up. Please continue to pray for Gay Foran, um, Linda Moore's sister with her struggle with um, Parkinson's disease. Um, they're changing uh, their, where they're going for treatment, so please be in prayer for them for that. She's also had a couple of attacks of um, atypical Parkinson's symptoms uh, this week. Continue to pray for Katie and her family as, as Katie battles with her MS. Continue to pray for Janie as she is um, most likely in a full-blown episode of her Epstein-Barr Um so please continue to pray that God would lift them up and strengthen them. Um, and Natalie Wade, please continue to pray for her. Um, they've had to adjust their treatments uh, based on some insurance stuff, so please continue to pray for them. Are there any other prayer updates? Yeah. Susan, okay. Okay. And we hear y'all are getting ready for a wedding as well. Yeah, so that's that's wonderful. We talked to Brian a little bit yesterday, so yeah. Um no, but we should. He is dealing with some uh heart issues, yeah. So thanks for reminding me of that. And pray for Donna as well as she tries to care for him. So, and Jim, you still take yeah. care of your dad. Yeah. yeah. You got, your, got your hands full there. All right. Anything else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almost holy and transcendent God, we are amazed by your faithfulness and your steadfast love. You promised to Adam and Eve that the serpent would be crushed while the seed of the woman would be bruised. 
You promised Noah that you would never destroy the heavens and the earth again by the flooding waters. You promised Abraham that he and his seed would one day be a blessing to the nations. You have made many more promises in your scripture to your people, people like David and Solomon, Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah, to Ruth and to Esther. And we praise and glorify you because you have kept these promises. That promise to Abraham and his seed that he would one day be a blessing is found in the fact that there was a stone not shaped or quarried by human hands. That stone was inspected and rejected by sinful men. Yet you hurled that stone at the feet of the world's empires and that rejected stone became the chief cornerstone of the kingdom that is growing in and through the church today. We know that the stone is Jesus Christ. That stone, the truth that he is the Messiah, the servant of God, the suffering servant. That stone is the foundation of the church, the kingdom that you are building the kingdom which the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Forgive us for doubting the stone. Forgive us for rebelling against the instructions and teachings of our Lord and Savior. Forgive us for forgetting the love of God and neighbor that we are called to pursue. And forgive us for substituting love for ourselves in their place. Help us to be a people who submit to and depend on the rock of our salvation for all that we are and for all of our hopes. Help us to love you enough to pursue obedience to your commandments and instructions. Help us to love our neighbor enough to tell them of the dangers of hell and the peace and rest of your salvation. Thank you, O God, that you are full of covenant love for us, that you remain faithful to your promises even when we are faithless. Thank you for the many blessings that you shower upon us. I thank you for the elders and deacons of this church. I thank you for their care and concern for the congregation. I thank you for the members of this church, this family of believers who are willing to learn more about you so that they can go out and serve you by serving their neighbors. I thank you for the people of the surrounding communities. I thank you for other Bible-proclaiming churches in the area and the ministries that they have. I thank you that you answer prayer and that you hear when we call. In light of that truth that you hear when we call, I lift up to you today friends and family members who need you to bring strength and comfort and healing. I pray for Mitchell and his ministry there at Fort Sill. I pray for his family that you would sustain and protect them there and that wherever you call Mitchell to proclaim your your gospel as an army chaplain, that you would bless his ministry and bless his words. I pray for Susan and Doug Dodd, as Susan is having a hip replacement later this week, that you would strengthen her healing and that you would lift her up. I pray for Gay Foran and, and for Jimmy as you walk them through this valley of Parkinson's and that you would strengthen them for that walk and that you would bring a knowledge of your sufficient grace to them. I pray for Barry and Donna as they struggle with Barry's heart problems and also with caring for Jim. Lift each of them up, offer comfort and peace that only you can give, a peace that transcends understanding as they pursue you in the midst of these difficulties and bring Barry healing and relief and Donna strength. 
We lift up Katie and her family and ask that you strengthen them for this battle with MS, that you walk alongside them with the difficulties that are brought on with that and the difficulties of living in this world. Comfort and strengthen and sustain them in the midst of all this. We pray for Janie and ask that you would walk alongside her and Ron. Lord, as they trust you and as they grow in their faith in you, even through this difficulty of of the Epstein Bar, we ask that you would strengthen and sustain and remind them that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, we lift up all the other friends and family members that are not on this list, that we have not mentioned, that are struggling with the difficulties of living in this world, whether those difficulties be brought on uh, through illness, through economic means, through uh, the frailty of age. We, we lift all of them up to you and ask that you would walk alongside them. Remind them that you are their God and they are the sheep of your pasture. And I pray, O oh warrior God, that you would break the stronghold and dominion of the evil one in the communities in which we live. I pray that you would use us to be deliverers of your living and active word into the darkness of these communities. Please make the people of these communities receptive to your gospel message. Change the hearts of the people here to love you and your gospel. Change the hearts of the people in our families who have turned their back on the gospel message, a message which many of them have heard all their lives. Draw them to you once again. Renew their hearts once and for all. I pray also, Lord, that you would defeat the enemy in the realm of mental illness. Guide doctors and counselors and pastors in biblical wisdom as they seek to treat those who suffer with depression, anxiety, bipolar, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and the many different manifestations of the brokenness of our world in the minds and emotions of our friends and loved ones. Help them find the truth that Paul found, the truth that you are truly sufficient for them, even in the darkest of trials. God, we pray to you. We know that you hear and that you answer. Strengthen us to be weak. Remind us, as you did, Paul, that when we are weak in the flesh, you are strong through us. I pray all of this in the name of our precious Savior. Amen. Please take up your Bibles now and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs 22. We are coming to an end, not the end of the book, not the end of our time in the book, but the end of the first main section of the teachings of wisdom that Solomon compiled or that Solomon wrote. So today we will be reading from Proverbs 22, verses 1 through 16. So join with me as we read. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far away from them. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. 
He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside, or or, or I will be murdered in the streets. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we are approaching your word. And in this word, you reveal your glory, your majesty, and your will for our lives. Help us to remember as we study that this is your word. And help me to remember as I proclaim that in a different way, my words are yours as well. They are not inspired They are not scripture, but you have directed my studies. You have directed my thoughts and you will direct my words today. So as I seek to teach your word, use my words to change the hearts of your people, to draw us all closer to you and to see the riches of your glory. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. You know, as humans, we need goals. We need to know what the end is when we begin a project or an endeavor. Very rarely do we start something without knowing at least the general direction that we hope to go in. Understanding that God can act and change the end or change the goal, but we always start something with a goal, with a purpose, because we are created with a sense of purpose in our lives. The search for wisdom is similar. We don't merely pursue wisdom for the sake of wisdom. It has a purpose. It has a meaning. It has an end. It has a goal. So in today's passage, while Solomon wraps up this first section of his wisdom sayings, he wraps up and reminds Rehoboam and us of the end or purpose of wisdom. He reminds Rehoboam of the reason for doing the hard work of pursuing wisdom in a world that really seems to favor folly. As we look at these summary statements today, we will see that Solomon reminds Rehoboam of the blessings of wisdom, the comfort of wisdom, and the foundation of wisdom. First, the blessings of wisdom. In addition to seeking an end goal for something, we humans often need the answer to the question, what is in it for me? Now, this isn't necessarily a sinful or bad question. God told Adam and Eve that life would be the reward, the blessing for obedience, while death would be the consequence for disobedience. God in his words promises us blessings for obedience and consequences for disobedience. And so Solomon reminds Rehoboam and reminds us here in today's passage of five blessings that wisdom brings. The first is a favorable reputation. 
Verse 1 opens up with the declaration that a good name is more to be pursued than wealth and esteem or favor of the community is to be sought after. In Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 8, wisdom is described in much the same way as more valuable than silver and gold. Living a life of wisdom will bring you a good reputation in the community around you. People can walk around seemingly to have found and gained the blessings and the benefits of a life of wisdom, but they have gained those things in the ways of folly, through deceit, through lies, through cheating, through trickery. And oftentimes, even though they have the trappings of the blessings, they will have a bad reputation for the ways in which they have pursued and gained material success. The pursuit of wisdom, regardless of the material rewards that may or may not come with it, will make someone respected and sought after in the community. Verse 11 goes on to expand this to say that those who pursue a pure heart and gracious speech will find themselves to be counselors, to be friends of people of power, specifically the king. Paul focuses on this in 1 Timothy 3, 7, when he, when he, when he says that the elder is one who is thought well of in the community. The elder should be a man of wisdom, a person who has pursued God's instruction and sought to develop wisdom in his life. Luke 2.52 reminds us that Jesus grew not only in stature, but in reputation in the community around him. Young people, I encourage you today, you have the opportunity now to grow in wisdom. And by growing in wisdom, to grow in reputation in the world around us. Pursue integrity Pursue graciousness, pursue peace, pursue wisdom, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, grow in wisdom so that you will be well thought of in the community. Solomon also highlights the blessing of safety along the path of life. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word, the scriptures, are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Solomon echoes his father's words in verse 3 where he says, In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares. Verse 5, excuse me. But he who guards his soul stays far from them. And then previous to that in verse 3, he says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Wisdom will teach you those, those pitfalls, those obstacles in the path of life and how to avoid them and how to to protect yourself from the dangers that come when we are tempted to 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 the day to sin when we are tempted to leave the path thorns in Matthew 13 we were reminded in our Wednesday night Bible study that the thorns of life are the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. Riches will tempt us to leave wisdom, to leave the path of righteousness. And wisdom keeps us from the danger of those temptations. Those things that seek to answer the cares of our world, the cares of life apart from God, will tempt us to leave the path. And wisdom will remind us that it is only reconciliation with God through the cross 
that can truly answer the cares of life. Next, wisdom blesses us with wise children. Verse 15 reminds us that children are filled with folly when they come into this world. They're not only predisposed to folly, but it is bound up in their very nature. What do we call that period of time in the life of a child between their second and third birthday? The terrible twos. For the first two years of a child's life, we appropriately allow the world to revolve around them. They need to be fed. They need to be carried. They need to be changed. They can do nothing on their own. They are completely and totally helpless. And so our world has to revolve around them. John Roseman says that it is at the age of two or somewhere between two and three where it is time to begin to teach that child that the world really does not revolve around them. And that's why we call it the terrible twos. It's because we are trying and seeking to shift them from that first couple years to realizing where they stand in the world. And since folly is bound up in them, it's a difficult battle. But Solomon says that discipline, that instruction, and that training will remove folly and set the child on the path to wisdom. And this is important to see the training that is spoken of earlier in the chapter. Train up a child in the way he should go is not merely corporal punishment, but it's verbal instruction, it's teaching, it's discipling them and teaching them to discipline themselves. And Solomon says, and we'll deal with this in a few moments, but Solomon says that if you do that, that that child will be set on the way and they will not leave that way. We do live in a broken world. And we are reminded that Proverbs are descriptions, not prescriptions. These are descriptions of the way life should work, not promises as to how it will. But if we pursue wisdom, most of the time these things will work. Fourthly, Solomon promises economic peace. Now, This was a hard one to talk about because our idea of economic peace and Scripture's idea of economic peace are two, oftentimes two different things. When Scripture talks about economic peace or financial security, it talks about knowing and understanding that everything that we have does not belong to us. It belongs to God. And we are called to use it according to His Glory and his understanding, the idea that I work, I amass a fortune and I use it specifically for my own gratification is an unbiblical ideal. Yes, God provides for us and yes, we should should provide for our families as we are called to. But as we amass of fortune, as we grow our savings account, we should do so with the idea that if God calls me to use this for somebody else, that I am utterly willing to because it's his anyway. We do it wisely. We don't just toss money out the window as we're driving down 219. But we are called to use the things that God has given to us to bless the world around us. 
The wise person shares his food with the poor, we are told in verse 9, and for that he will be blessed. We are told that those who keep their gifts from the poor or oppress the poor in order to increase their own wealth will come to poverty. God owns what we have and he blesses us with, with the peace of realizing that and having an open hand being able to use that for his honor and for his glory. And fifthly, the blessing that Solomon highlights is relational peace. He shows us this in verse 10 and 14. Verse 10 says, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ceased. And in verse 14, the mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who is under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Sometimes we end up in strife because of sin in our own life. But other times we end up in strife simply because we have the wrong people around us. I've heard it says that everybody lights up a room. Some of us when we walk in and some of us when we walk out. Everybody lights up a room. That's what Solomon's talking about here. There are people in your life that are just contentious. They are just quarrelsome. All they do is cause you strife. Solomon says, don't hang around them anymore. And you will be blessed with relational peace. Wisdom brings us relational peace. So those are the blessings of wisdom. Solomon reminds Rehoboam as well as the comforts of wisdom. In their videos on Proverbs, Job and Ecclesiastes, the Bible Project looks at those three books kind of as one whole collection of wisdom literature. Proverbs describes how wisdom should work. Job teaches us what to rely on when the principles of wisdom don't work out in a broken world the way we think they should. Job was a righteous man and he lost everything. And Ecclesiastes deals with the pursuit of wisdom and its benefits without the foundation of the fear of the Lord. It is found to be empty. It is found to be wanting. And brothers and sisters, we live in a world that often works out like Job. Job, as I said, was a, a man that God described as righteous. And yet his life and his health fell apart. Many of us have pursued wisdom built on the foundation of the fear of the Lord and yet find ourselves in positions that the world does not consider to be blessed. We might find ourselves mired in battles with depression or anxiety. We might find ourselves praying for children who have walked away from the gospel message they were immersed in growing up. We might find ourselves married to the quarrelsome spouse, trying to navigate relational peace and gospel faithfulness in marriage. And while Proverbs focuses on wisdom and its benefits, it does give us comfort when we find ourselves with the earthly rewards of folly while, re, while pursuing wisdom. The first one we see, the first comfort we see is that God is omniscient and he will punish fools. Verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. And verse 16 says, He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and he who gives gifts to the rich, bribes to the rich to twist justice. Both come to poverty. 
What consequences of folly are you suffering under right now while pursuing wisdom? Find comfort in the fact that God knows. God knows. And He knows in a way, in the second person of the Trinity, He knows in a way that even we can't understand. Because the second person of the triune Godhead took on flesh and dwelt among us and suffered every temptation that you and I suffer, and yet without sin. And He did that so that we might be saved from the judgment that our folly, a folly that is still bound up within all of us, that we might be saved from the judgment that that folly deserves. And so that we might be strengthened and encouraged to continue the pursuit of wisdom, even when life throws us a curveball. Have you done everything right with your money and still find yourself in a place of poverty? God knows. Have you done everything you can to train up your children in the way that they should go when they have turned their back on the gospel and have turned their back on you? God knows. Whatever struggle you are going through right now as you seek to pursue righteousness and wisdom, God knows. The second comfort we have in this today is that He is the sovereign Creator. Verse 2 says, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. There's kind of a double meaning to that verse. Yes, God is the creator of all human beings. God has made every individual human according to his goodwill and has declared that they are the image of God. And so we all stand equal before God in our sin and in need of a savior. But it also means that the situation that you are in, that we find comfort in the reality that he knows about. Well, he's made that as well. And he's sovereign over it and he's in control over it. God uses the difficult circumstances in our lives. To draw us to lean on him more and more. Job had to be brought to the end of his own sense of being owed an answer from God because of his righteousness and brought to a sense where he truly trusted and rested in the reality that God knows and God is sovereign. What comforts do we have in this life? We have the comfort of God's knowledge and the comfort of God's sovereignty. And that leads us to the foundation of wisdom. We've seen the blessings of wisdom. We see the comfort of wisdom. And now we end this section where we began it with the foundation of wisdom. In Proverbs 1, 7, in Proverbs 9, 10, we are told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of wisdom. That sense of worshipful obedience that we have before God is the foundation of wisdom. And in verse 4 of today's passage, Solomon adds a synonym with a twist to it, to the fear of the Lord, because humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life, bring the blessings of wisdom. 
In the past, we have focused on the aspect of humility that involves a sense of thinking of ourselves less and raising others up above ourselves. But I learned something new about humility this week. And that humility is not only those things, but it is those things rooted in a sense of utter dependence. Why do we think of others better than ourselves? Why do we seek to raise others above ourselves? Because we know and have been brought to the point in our life where we realize that we are utterly dependent upon God for everything. For the benefits of wisdom, for the difficulties of strength in the midst of difficulties in our lives, we are able to lower our opinion of ourselves and to think more highly than others because we realize that there but for the grace of God go I. Regardless of what situation they're in, regardless of the place in life that we are in, it is only by the grace of God that we stand where we are. And we are utterly dependent upon that grace for all of our physical and spiritual needs. What do you own? What do your bank accounts look like? What does your car situation look like? Do you realize that's all God's? And you're dependent upon him for everything you have, no matter how much or how little. The humble person is one who realizes that all she has is a gracious gift from God. She truly praises when others are lifted up by God because she is content in her dependency upon God. She realizes that God is her deliverer in times of trouble. She is willing to receive any grace that God brings to her regardless of what it looks like. She is able to say, I may weep and wail at the situation, but you, my God, have brought me into it and I trust you. I trust that you are glorified. I trust that you will bring me through. I trust that no matter how this works out, you are enough for me. This is the foundation of wisdom. The truly wise person, the one who truly fears the Lord, is aware of and is content with their total and utter dependence upon God. Solomon reminds us as he wraps up this section of the blessings of wisdom. He reminds us of the comfort of wisdom. And he reminds us and expands on the foundation of wisdom. Over the years that I've lived here, I've gotten to know an older man. He's in his 70s, a good godly man. Loves Jesus, member of a Bible-believing church. And, and he and I have grown very, very close. And he and I have walked together through some difficult circumstances. And about a year ago, my friend was diagnosed with cancer. And it's a treatable cancer. He's undergoing treatments. He's seeing improvements. You know, but he's still struggling with the fact that cancer has come into his life. We were sitting and we were talking the other day at breakfast. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I think I figured out that my cancer is a blessing. It's the last word I expected to come out of his mouth. 
He said, in my cancer, in my walk with this, I've become closer to my family. I've become closer to my friends. He said, but more importantly, I've learned to trust God more. That is the blessing, the comfort, and the foundation of wisdom. It's knowing that, hey, I am pursuing righteousness and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And life is going to throw me a curveball. But I've gotten to the point where I find comfort in the fact that God knows and that he is sovereign. And I depend on him to see, depend enough upon him to see that the curveball is a blessing. As you pursue wisdom, remember, the blessings may not look like what we think they should look like. But God is a God who offers comfort to those who utterly depend upon him. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, we do thank you for Solomon's reminders here. You promise blessings for obedience. Lord, we pursue obedience in order to be faithful to you. And sometimes we pursue those blessings in a sanctified way that enjoys the blessings that come through obedience and through wisdom. But Lord, we live in a fallen, broken world. We are sinners. And sometimes in our pursuit of wisdom, this world throws us a curveball. Comfort us in the knowledge that you know and you are sovereign. And remind us in the midst of those curveballs to utterly and completely depend upon you because it is in him that we can do all things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 342. O God of Bethel, we are reminded of Jacob as he slept there at Bethel and and God showed himself to Jacob in the midst of his folly, in the midst of his rebellion, in the midst of his running away from his own sin. God promised that he would be Jacob's God. And so let us stand and sing, O God of Bethel, and be reminded that even in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of our folly, God has promised to be our God. So let us stand and sing hymn number 342. Thank you.
as we seek to leave, as we leave this place seeking to serve God, seeking to depend wholly on him, take this blessing with you, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And to remind ourselves of the hope that is to come, we pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you.